Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Shiel Kapadia joined by Ben Solak. And you know what it is. It's the Thursday 10. Come on, it's week 15. If you don't know what the Thursday 10 is by now, shame on you. We will do a film review from the Giants game. We will look ahead to the Bears game. We will get to, listen, many uh, review questions this week, Benny Souls. You might have noticed I didn't even have to put out the Twitter prompt asking for questions because our audience, some good listeners in there, they Mm -hmm. left the reviews, and so I'm just using those. So listen, if you want to guarantee your question is answered, you got to leave it as a review. Some of you said, hey, you know, that's only on iTunes, we're Team Spotify, of course, we're Team Spotify. So some of you were... They signed the checks. Yeah, they signed the checks. Some of you took the initiative and said, here's a screen grab. I left a rating on Spotify. Here's my question. And that counts too. If you want to do that, that counts too. We will get to those questions as well. Ben, you look very cozy. What is that, a nice hoodie? What what kind of, what do you got going on there? Yeah, no, I got the hoodie on over the cardigan, over the shirt. It's a three-layer. Listen. We're in the new house. Didn't know how, you know, you never know how a house is going to hold heat, how it's going to work. Uh, we have big old windows in this house, like the big floor to ceiling ones, the, the classic storm windows. And, and all the realtors, right? They also like, these are these old windows, good windows, solid windows. Never break into these windows. But the problem with them is that they're super drafty. And so the first level of the house is very chilly. I was raised on... Put on another layer. Put on some hats and gloves, baby. We do not touch the thermo- the thermostat. So every every day, my wife gets home from work, turns the heat up to 65, leaves it there the entire day. Wait, 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 wait. Up to 65? Yeah. What, what she, is it the rest of the time? I leave it at 60. 
60? I like, I like being cold. So That's literally like, the so, lowest I've ever heard a person yeah. who actually it's, has the ability to heat their house put a thermostat. <laughs> I do 68 and I thought I was slow. Nah, I said 60. And then, so she puts it there and then she leaves for work. 16. And then I'm, I'm upstairs all cozy in bed. Guess, you know, she leaves her work at the time of a regular human, and I'm the football blogger, so I don't wake up. <laughs> and, and upstairs holds the heat real nice because the, the windows face the south, so the sun comes in. And then I come downstairs, and it's, it's, it's the further we get into December, the nippier it's been. And if I, I am a prideful son of a gun, Shield, I do not want to touch that thermostat. Today is a tough one. The wind's blowing. I got branches hitting up against the house. It's like 20s outside. I won't touch it. So I'm in three layers right now, feeling great. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through the 60. I've again, I have never heard of up to 65. I thought you misspoke up to. All right. That's wild. If you are a listener and you are at 60 or below, uh, I want to hear from you. Listen, I like a listen. I like a low, low heating bill as well. You can you know, get a little space heater if you're in a closed space. Those things work uh, in, a, in a great way. All right. So Ben's going to be cold for this whole thing. I'm going to be have my mind wandering at his thermostat. But we're going to get to the Thursday 10. Question number one, as always, the offensive film. We all watched the game up and down the field. We said it looked easy. It did look easy. Uh, what did you notice, Benjamin, as you watched the film of the Eagles offense from that performance against the Giants? Yeah, you got to pay Hurts some money, man. You got to pay Hurts whatever he likes. He's playing like this. I mean, it's, it's, he's not Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Lamar Jackson. Like, you know, I think that that tier one of quarterbacks, then he goes like Mahomes and then your elite tier. He's not well, there. Well, don't jump ahead to question number three. We got a big question number three. We're right. really getting the nitty gritty of that. Whatever. That <laughs> second tier of quarterbacks, yeah. Like, it, 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 it requires further consistency. Like, I know, like, people, like, he's played like this all season. Like, he's had great numbers all season. He's leader for MVP right now. Like, he's been doing this all season. He hasn't. He's been producing really well all season. He has not been playing this quality of football, right? In terms of the little stuff that we poked at in terms of pocket management, decision on read options, right? Post-snap decision-making, uh, the throws that he chooses to take and the accuracy with which he throws them. He has not been playing this well. Like, I, I don't really care about, like, he had, like, 400 yards in this game, whatever. Like, in terms of uh, when we do the film review on the Thursday 10, Tennessee and this Giants game are the two best games he's played this season, I think. Uh, and it's nice to see them come back-to-back uh, the Giants tested him with 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 third down looks. He had a couple of bad re- reactions to the blitz. He had a couple of great reactions to the blitz. Right, that 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 third down outbreaker man with a free rusher coming right to his body. Like it's such, it's so cool. Like quarterbacks who who are as good of runners as Jalen Hurts is, don't stay in the pocket and make that throw. Then why would they? Just make the guy miss and run. Like that's how they always work. And for Jalen Hurts to have very clearly consciously decided over the course of his last few years in the NFL uh, to become a player that can throw that football, that chooses to throw it instead of tucking and running it, is a tremendous example of the improvements that he makes relative to a player like like a Kyler Murray, who doesn't necessarily stay in there and make that throw the entire time. Kyler, who's kind of been a really good benchmark for scrambling quarterbacks in the NFL over the last few years. Uh, I, I, I watched this film, and I was like, yeah, okay, like, Devontae was great. Awesome Devontae game. Uh, AJ could have had an even bigger game if he didn't have the drop. Like, all the guys worked the way they were supposed to work. You know, people were calling out Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra. Uh, you know, Eagles ran the ball really well, but a 12 personnel. I, you know, I, like, it, they played fine. Like, I don't think it was like, I mean, I think it was a good game for Stoll, whatever. But the thing that just stands out to me off that offensive film is, is if you give me 
the Titans Giants version of Jalen Hurts for the rest of the season. I would give I would give Jalen Hurts a blank check for a second contract, and I would feel very comfortable doing so. We are, uh, yeah, I do want to re- revisit that uh, for sure. I mean, I, I agree. I think what do the kids say? Leveled up is that is that a, a term you? you, you I mean, like I think nowadays? people, I think people have been saying leveled up for a long time. People. I don't think that's like a okay. do the kids uh, say that now? Uh, leveled okay. up, like I don't know. There have been video games since the eighties, man. Like we've been, we're saying leveled up. <laughs> All right, I would agree that. So I, I don't know if I'm using this correctly or incorrectly. I would agree that he's leveled up the last two weeks as a passer. All the things you hear, like the the quarterback gurus talk about, he's done that more at a high level in the last two weeks than he has all season. I mean, the first third down, that ball's coming out with anticipation to Devontae Smith on the right side. They're they're an empty versus cover one. Balls out. Balls on target. First down. You mentioned the throw to Quez Watkins on the left side. Third down. Giants get a free rusher in his face. That ball is beautifully thrown right at Quez Watkins' face mask, just as you would draw it up in practice. Fantastic throw. If you look at the 41-yard touchdown to Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson got smoked on that play by Dexter Mm -hmm. Lawrence, where Jalen Hurts is taking probably one of his biggest hits of the season, honestly, in the pocket on that throw. And we talked about it after the game. Yeah, you would think Julian Love makes that play. A lot of safeties make that play. But that has nothing to do with the throw. The throw is on target as he's getting crushed. And I think Mylotta got beat a little bit on that play, too. That is a in-the-pocket, getting-crunched type throw on target down the field. So uh, accuracy, ball placement. I mean, the uh, the cor- corner route to Devontae Smith on the left side, that ended up being incomplete. Smith couldn't get both feet in. May- maybe his Gainwell best throw block. of the day. The Kenny Gainwell. Yeah. They go How full slide that? protection. Gainwell one-on-one with the edge. Chop him at the knees. Kenny! <laughs> oh, yeah. Eagles, Eagles backs have been so much better in pass protection over the last few weeks. Huge development. Yeah. They like yeah. their their third and long passing game offense, where they're the weakest right now, which is like a dumb thing to say. It's where every offense is the weakest. Like third and long is the defense is down. But for the Eagles, particularly, like force them in their drop back game, Hurts stays in the pocket. Like it's just not where they want to be as an offense. One of the big reasons for that weakness was they didn't have a pass protecting back. Sanders and Gamewell have both been much better pass protecting over the last few weeks. Huge development. Yeah, something got into him. I mean, Sanders was mic'd up. I'm sure a lot of people have uh, seen the clip where, you know, he he had a couple hits in this game that just we haven't seen him have that type of physicality and aggression uh, in a football game before. So that absolutely was a great uh, development. So, yeah, I mean, that that throw to Smith could have been a completion. The throw to Miles Sanders down the right sideline where Hertz is moving to his right. Uh, again, that could have been a completion. I mean, he was not far away from having a 300-yard game. So uh, he, he is playing at his highest level as a pro right now, and that absolutely stood out from this game. A couple other things stood out to me. Uh, the changeups from the coaching staff. It's been a theme on our pod all season long. 15 plays out of pistol in this game. By far a season high. They had not used it more than eight times in a game this season. Again, we mm-hmm. talked about it before. When the back is offset, maybe you give a little bit of a tell to the defense. We saw it in the Colts game. Well, in this game, it's they just It's absolutely said, a response to the Colts game. It yeah. Is so, it's yeah, so nice to 100%. see. They're like, oh, Colts, Colts put out something good. Let's not let any other defense have it. Very nice. Yeah. Good for them. And then uh, the run schemes are, are so fun because it's like a different thing every week. I mean, this week it was a lot of the counter read play where you had the guard and the tight end or the guard and the tackle pulling. Yep. I mean, I think they used that play three times in a row on the one drive. They were in 12 personnel and it was, 
I can't remember if it was Sayamalu or Dickerson and uh, and the tight end. Uh, I think it was Dickerson, I want to say. Yeah, Dickerson so they, they ran in both Calcaterra. directions. The three times in a row, they were going left to right, so it was Dickerson. Uh, yeah. They ran it behind Sayamalu, though, a couple times successfully. They ran it yeah. out of 21 personnel uh, where they went shotgun split back, right? And then you have... You're, you're, you're faking, you're potentially giving the ball to one of the backs and Hurts will potentially keep it. The other back, then it becomes like GH counter or GF counter where like the guard's pulling and then that other back is coming up and he's being the second blocker, which that was where Miles Sanders got a shout out on the Monday show was for the work he did blocking as a running back from the backfield. But it's just cool because they, they got to the same, like there's, when, we, when, you, when you deconstruct this, you get to one core idea. We don't want to run at Dexter Lawrence. Very big man. Jason Kelsey, amazing center, not the biggest man. Like, this is a mismatch in the Giants' favor. Lawrence is, like, one of the few players in the league who gives Kelsey problems regularly. So if you don't want to run centered guard gaps, so those A gaps, right, then, okay, let, let's try to run B gaps, right? Let's try to run the gaps between the guard and the tackle, right? And that way we avoid that nose tackle is right over Kelsey. Where the Giants play bare front, right? They'll play with Dexter Lawrence as the nose, and then they'll play with a, a defensive tackle in one B gap, and a defensive tackle in the other B-gap. All right, we can't really run to the B-gaps now. They got a body in each one, and it's going to be hard for us to get double teams because Kelsey can't get over there to help out because Kelsey's got to deal with Dexter Lawrence. So, okay, we got to run in the C-gaps, right? You, you, when, you, when you get a bare front team, you got to run C-gaps. C-gap is between the tackle and the tight end. How do you run a C-gap? How do you run at the C-gap? You run power and you run counter. Something the Eagles don't do very much of. They'll, they'll do it. It's a wrinkle, but they don't you know do too much of it. And then they walk out in this game, they run counter over 10 times from four different formations yeah. with a read attached. Screw you, buddy. Like, you can't do that. That's Shanahan nonsense, man, in terms of just like, hey, we've decided to be really good at a running scheme we don't do very often in a week. Come on. That's, not, yeah. that's so difficult. And a lot of the Stoll and Calcaterra praise comes because those guys are constantly being asked to pull. The nice thing is that, like, the the blocks aren't as difficult as they look because they're, they, there's so much space in that in that hole because of the threat you have from like the Jalen Hurts pull and you're worried about plays getting into the boundary. And so they basically just got to make contact in the back will make them right. Great day for Sanders' vision. He made multiple good decisions in the hole. Uh, but that like, like, oh, wow, the Eagles just ran counter a bunch. When you take it all the way back to like what the issue they were trying to solve was, it's such a good example of the coaching staff understanding what they need to do. Like, they're not just going to obstinately say, no, Kelsey's the best center. Let's run behind him. They know, like, all right, let's avoid Dexter Lawrence. Like, we be humble. He's a good player. Avoid Dexter Lawrence. Okay, we can't really run zone, get to the B gap. So let's run power counter, get to the C gap. We're gonna, we don't have Dallas Goddard. That's okay. We're going to find ways to use motion and use reads to make these blocks easier. Just coaching masterclass is exactly how it's supposed to be done. Yeah, that that's been a theme also, specifically the last two weeks, but all season. What does the deep, what does the opponent do well? You don't need to, you know, prove prove your uh, your manhood and and go go at them like that. You can, if there's an easier path. Take the easier path, and the coaching staff, they do that consistently. And, yeah, not to uh, – I know Jeff Stoutland gets gazed up a lot, but, yeah, that's impressive that this is, hasn't been a staple run for you, and you come out and you make it a stable, staple mm-hmm. run in a game where you're dropping 40 on an opponent. And it doesn't it's mean incredible. you have to come back to it next week. I mean, they have, uh, you know, six, seven, eight different – whatever the, how many schemes they can they want to use. A different one can be a staple each week depending on what the opponent's doing, and that just makes them uh, even harder to defend. Can I uh, can I make this a Thursday eleven real quick? Yeah. All right. So I was thinking about this the other day. Eagles are the best offensive line in the league, right? I think we agree on that. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Who who would you say is second best? Well, I saw Robert Sala said it was the Lions. 
I, I, I think bait. they're in that conversation. I think the Chiefs are in that conversation. Say. Weak at right tackle, but I think I think I think the Chiefs probably deserve to be up there a little bit. Uh, and Niners offensive lines played really well recently. You know, if they're that great. You Brown, know. Cleveland, the Browns. Cle- right, exactly. So like, okay, these are the teams we're talking about. So now here's the real question. How much better is the Eagles' offensive line than the second-best offensive line? It's a good question. O- whoever it is, it's yeah. worlds better. Like, when, when we talk about this Eagles team in the playoffs and we talk about their matchups and, and, and how they're going to get to the NFC, we're going to talk about this team against Dallas's pass rush front. And we're going to talk about this team against San Francisco's pass rush front, right? Like, what are they going to do? These are the matchups the Eagles have to win. And when we do that, we're going to say, well, the Eagles have the best offensive line in the league. And then we're just going to keep talking. And best offensive line in the league doesn't begin to capture just how much better this offensive line is than the other good offensive lines in the league, right? Like Detroit has a good offensive line, like we said, right? They played Dallas, got whooped. Dallas is a really good front. The Eagles are not just like, oh, a little bit better than Detroit. They're probably the best. They are multiple levels, multiple steps better, run game and pass. They, like the Titans game, the Titans were really trying to rush. Jalen Hurts had perfectly clean pockets. The Giants were trying to rush all game long. I mean, Hurts is just chilling. It's just it, the pass protection product. The, the the work they get five across the board in pass protection, snap to snap, is unbelievable. I, I it's it's 2016 Cowboys esque, like in terms of like best offensive lines of the last decade. It's unreal. Yeah, it really stands out when someone loses, like that that play where I was mentioning where uh, Dickerson got beat and like hurts it. Like it was like, oh, you know, I'm not like used to seeing somebody just kind of lose one on one cleanly like that, and the quarterback get hit because it happens uh, so rarely. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been week in and week out with this team. All right, I think that's all I had uh, on the offense, the defense. Benjamin, what stood out to you, uh, number two, on the defensive film? Oh, it's just boring at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot here. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's something else. Um, I, I, we kind of do this every week now, and maybe it's getting a little bit trite because we were both low on Jonathan Gannon, and it turns out maybe we're kind of a little bit wrong. Um, but like another game where, well, maybe a little bit. It's a, it's a, it's a game where the Gannon theory worked. This, this secondary... Is, is communicating at a very high level, right? Their, their, their route passing off, the way they get into different coverages, their coverage menu is more complex than it was to start the season. They're not having busts. Yes. They're not having mistakes. Like, early in the season, there was, like, at least one or two every game where you were like, what's going on? Like, even that Washington game, right? They started to have levels problems. The spacings and zones weren't as good. A lot of that's been cleaned up, and you say, like, oh, well, you know, Avante Maddox is back. Yeah, but Josiah Scott was still taking snaps. Reed Blankenship's back there. They got new bodies, you know? And so... Uh, the the strength of the secondary really stood out in this one. Uh, again, it, it, it's a similar thing to the offensive line, where you're like, well, why don't other teams do this? It's because Slay and Bradbury are playing better than any other team's outside corner group by a, 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 a significant difference, right? And it's not the same thing as the offensive line. I think you can put, like, Cleveland's up there. You can probably even put, like, San Francisco up there in terms of the way that Traverius Ward and Dominic Lenore play. Like, they, they, there are other teams that have good corners. Jets, but, maybe. Yeah, but even then, like, the Jets are just, like, they run cover three. And they, and, and they're, the Jets don't use the rest of their bodies in coverage other than the outside corners to just solve interior problems the way that the Eagles do. Because the Eagles, like, the Eagles 
use their outside corners more tactically. Whereas the Jets kind of line their guys up. You see what I'm like? You know, it's a little bit like who cares? It's just a, more of a stylistic thing. But the Jet, the Jets are a good one. The Bradbury and, and Slay advantage, though, the quality of play that you get from them, is what allows you to run a lot of these coverages. You just you you you're trusting guys to be eight yards off the ball and cover everything. It's hard to do, uh, and, and the fact that the Eagles have two of them is a big deal. We're starting to get into mock draft season, and you've seen I think a lot of people give the Eagles like defensive end because Brandon Graham and like you know okay like offensive line because Eagles like to draft draft offensive line early if they don't re-sign Bradbury outside corner is a huge 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 need for this team because Bradbury is so important your your corner two is so critical you have a great corner one a bad corner two nobody cares about a good corner one he doesn't have a chance to make plays on the ball he's not gonna get targeted right Bradbury equals out slay he kind of you know completes the picture and so uh their outside corners continue to impress it's what allows them to be so versatile on the inside but you know, you're getting good reads, like Kaiser White, Kayvon Wallace, who, like, he had a blown coverage, but, like, Wallace was fine when he had to come in for Reed. Reed was good again when Reed was healthy. Like, they got their guys. So that was the first thing that stands out. And then the second thing said on the Monday show, but it bears repeating, Josh Sweat had a really good day against Andrew Thomas. Better than you'd think box score-wise, right? Brandon Graham comes NFC Defensive Player of the Week, three sacks. Uh, but I thought... All right, Thomas locks down Sweat, and then we move from there. Sweat had multiple wins against Andrew Thomas, high-quality wins, going outside, flattening the rush, uh, you know, rushing with power, putting Thomas in Daniel Jones' lap, collapsing the pocket. It's one of the better left, young left tackles in the league. It's like a top-five left tackle in terms of quality of play right now. Sweat had himself an awesome day. Not really going to show up box score-wise, but that was so important to the Eagles generating the amount of sacks and pressure that they did was that Sweat's disrupting. Sweat's creating problems uh, at left tackle. Everybody else is creating their problems. Then somebody cleans up the mess. Uh, so... Secondary communicated very well, I thought. I thought Josh Sweat had a very nice game against Andrew Thomas. Yeah, their edge rushers killed the Giants' tackles. I mean, Hassan Reddick uh, was everywhere in this game. You mentioned Sweat. We know Graham had the uh, three sacks in this game. They just couldn't handle them uh, up front, and that was a huge factor in this game. Uh, Couple things. I you know they played dime on some third downs early with Josiah Scott as the sixth defensive back. You mentioned the coverage menu expanding, him rotating to play safety in the deep middle uh, of the field in some of those looks. Is something to keep an eye on as we look ahead to what they're going to do uh, without Blankenship here. They they brought in Anthony Harris, so it could be Harris. Maybe Josiah Scott sees sees some of those snaps. Uh, you're probably Shout out higher you on the Anthony on, Harris call, by the way. Well, listen, you don't have to, uh, it's not that hard to predict with, for them with some of these guys who have played in the scheme before and who are available. It's a small group of players. Uh, I would favor those guys over Kayvon Wallace. I think you probably like Wallace uh, a little more than I do, but yeah, we'll but I also, there at I also would. Like, I thought like Wallace okay. like came in and like wasn't a huge issue. He had the one coverage he busted, but like is okay. Yeah, I think that. Josiah is probably better in dime. Harris, like I gotta see what his legs look like. But what Harris yeah. was when he left Philadelphia was kind of like, oh, might be getting a little, little long in the tooth there, buddy. Yeah, I mean he's not. He was available. So when a guy's available, and whenever right. this is December fourteenth, that tells you something. So I think that would be a case of, hey, let's just kind of. Hopefully he gives us a floor of competency here until we figure out what we want to do. But I wouldn't expect anything more from him there. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will get back to question number three. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com 
Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right, we're back with question three. Like I said, leave those in the reviews. Leave me screen grabs with the rating, whatever, and you are guaranteed to be on the show. And if we don't get enough of those, then you know, then I have to ask you to tweet them at me, which I don't uh, want to do. So, but we, we, we probably will have to get there at some point this season. All right, Bodie says, love the pod. A few weeks ago, you guys said that Hertz is around the 10th to 12th best quarterback in the NFL, would you still rank him there behind guys like Brady, Dak, Rogers, Gino? If not, what made you change your mind? Of course, a lot of these questions are off of our friend Stephen Ruiz's quarterback ranking. Stephen had Jalen Hurts 10th this week behind Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar, Burrow, Josh Allen, Dak, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Gino Smith. Benjamin. Yeah, so two separate questions here. One is, how well is Jalen Hurts playing right now? And two is, like, kind of where would you rank Jalen Hurts' overall quarterbacks? Because there's just, like, lulls and swells to these things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, it's always a tricky thing where I tend to move slower on, like, my rankings of teams and my rankings of quarterbacks and, like, of players than other people do. Where, they're like, you get a few games and it's like, two is a top 10 quarterback. I'm like, I don't really think he is. Like, I, you know, I like to see it for a while. Right now... Hertz is playing better than Gino, playing better than Rodgers, playing better than Brady. Dak Allen, that like 6'5 area is where I start to think he 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 he's playing at that caliber, right? He's playing as well as those guys are generally playing right now. Overall, like over the 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 course of the season, I think it's it's tough to put him above Gino. I think I'd still put him above Brady and still put him above Rodgers. Right? Now, I I like, you know. But people have gotten frustrated with me with the Kyler thing because when they played the Cardinals, I said Kyler's better. Yeah, this season, Hurts has been playing better than Kyler pretty consistently. I'd still like to see Kyler get to play on an adult NFL offense with adult NFL personnel in a real place 
But like, I think like, you know, this, that sort of an arc, like, all right, just Ben still have Jalen Hurts off Kyler Murray. I started to change my opinion on that now that I've seen it for like multiple months in a row. Like I said, like, I just like, I, I like to see it over the course of time. It, you, it's, it's easy to get like, you know, ups and downs. So Hurts, Geno is tough to figure out just because Geno's been around the league for so long. This is the best we've seen Geno play. Um, but I would say that like right now, if you made me list them, yeah, the top guys stay up there. You get that Josh Allen five, Dak Prescott six. And then once you get to like seven, eight, you know, you get Trevor Lawrence in there, get Jalen Hurts in there. Yeah, I think that's that's about where I would land on 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 Hertz long term outlook is put him somewhere right in that right in that area. And this is for how the quarterbacks have performed this season, right? Is that what you are talking about? How they performed this season, he's like six seven. Because I think that's how what the Ruiz ranking is, right? How are they how are they yeah. performing this season? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, is like it sounds stupid, but like how are they performing this season and how good are they are two separate questions. Just because yeah. like there's ups no, that's and downs true. in the world. Yeah. It, if you're like, you know, if you're doing the like, hey, you start a team tomorrow question, like who do you want? I want Mahomes, I want Allen, I want Lamar, I want Burrow, I want Herbert. And then I want Dak. And then I think Hertz gets in there at like seven. And like he's there with like Lawrence, there with Kyler. Yeah, I feel good about that. Okay. I have him this year, I would have him in the top five. Uh, I would have Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and Herbert ahead of him. I think if you wanted to talk me into this year, He's because Herbert is a, is a tough conversation. I'm, I, I think we're, we've talked about it on the uh, Ringer NFL show. We're both still all in on Herbert this year. There's been so many constraints around him that it's just like most of the time, you know, in recent weeks, it's yeah, Herbert's playing great for a lot of the season. It's been like, oh my gosh, Herbert's got nothing around him and he's got no help and it's not all him. He had the rib injury. So I would have no issue if you said, hey, for this year alone, uh, you can put Hertz above Herbert. I would have Hertz at five. I have him above Gino. Uh, I have him above Dak this year. When you look at what he's done, I, I mean, one of the things I found here, where was the stat? He's, he's third with 49 completions of 20 plus yards and also has the lowest interception rate in the NFL. I mean, that is. We don't talk you're, enough, you're, you and I, about the interceptions of it all. Yeah. He doesn't throw picks. 0.8%. And the one bounced off of Gainwell's hands. Uh, and so when you're producing explo explosive plays and not turning the football over, by the way, you can add fumbles in there, and he's still the best in the NFL. Fewest turnovers, I think, among starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And you're producing explosive plays with your arm. And by the way, you've rushed for 686 yards, which is 21st in the NFL and third among quarterbacks. I mean, the question is always, if you took one of these other quarterbacks and put them in the Eagles offense, what would it look like? And I think for some of these guys, you can certainly make the case that it would look just as good as close to as good. But this is like we're talking about the best. Uh, I said it on Sunday, the best Eagles offense of our lifetime, the second best offense in the NFL. So like, is there a greater ceiling with some other guys? Yeah. I mean, if you brought Mahomes in, uh, I would imagine you would have the best offense in the NFL. But with a lot of the other guys, I struggle to say it would be significantly better. So, uh, I mean, you look at the way he's improved, the way he's playing now, uh, I would have him in the top five. If someone said, hey, he belongs second behind Mahomes just for this year. I don't think uh, I don't think that's crazy. I 
think that's absolutely a reasonable argument to make. Uh, accuracy, he's fourth in completion percentage above expectation. He's second in adjusted completion percentage. I mean, he's averaging over eight yards per attempt. He's been durable, uh, by the way. He gives you answers in short yardage. He gives you answers in the red zone, which doesn't get brought up when we talk about some of the other quarterbacks. Like, he's very unique in that way, where he's giving you answers in these high-leverage situations. He makes you hard to defend with his running ability. He throws a beautiful deep ball. He's, he's shown an ability to improve on his weaknesses. Sometimes I think we overrate the ability of NFL players to really improve because I think it, it's hard yes, to like. I think generally really we do absolutely totally overrate yeah, players. We he's the exception. It hurts the exception. Yeah. He's the exception. Him and Josh Allen are really the exceptions. Uh, he's steady, all the intangibles, leader, great teammate, coachable, hardworking, all those different things. And uh, one thing I think we fail to remember is last year, Jalen Hurts was playing his first year as a starter with Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Jalen Raker. He, Nate Herbig, Jack Driscoll, Andre Dillard, and Sua Opeta all played over 300 snaps. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside played over 200 snaps. Greg Ward played over 200 snaps. The oh, offense was forgot a, about Greg Ward. Just what, the what offense was... There are like the three offense was ele- years of Greg Ward starting <laughs> slot receiver, man. I think he's still around, isn't he? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the yeah, offense was 11th in, DV- in DVOA last year. 11th in DVOA with that supporting cast. So I understand that he's in a great situation. There's no doubt about it. But I also think he's maximizing the situation uh, he's in. And I'm with you. I would be ready right now to say I'm paying him top five quarterback money. Uh, let's go, you know, in the next three, four, five years with Jalen Hurts. I've seen all I've needed to see. I'm in on him. Um, and you asked the long-term question, if you were starting a quarterback right now, or I guess another way to phrase that is, who would you trade him for? I mean, I would trade him for uh, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and Herbert. Those are the four. Uh, I don't think that there's another quarterback right now. I mean, I would have meetings about some of the other guys, but I think if it was like, all right, Shield, what's your vote? You know, there's 11 of us in a room. Uh, I'm, I don't think that there's another guy in the NFL, including Lamar, including Dak right now, when I see how Hurts is operating in this offense, uh, that I would trade him for. Yeah, the you and I are far apart on Lamar. We're going to be far apart on Lamar for forever. That's yeah. Uh, the Dak thing in terms of the trade is interesting. Dak's 24. Hertz 20, or excuse me, Dak is 29. Hertz is 24. Like it, right. If you were starting it, yeah, starting a team, Hertz might be above Dak just because of the age thing. Like Dak's going to hit 30 next year. That, that makes it tricky. The thing about placing Hertz right now relative to like Dak, Trevor Lawrence, even talking about like Gino in terms of like who's been more impressive just this year in terms of how they played is that all of those guys are pocket guys. Lawrence can run. Dak can run. Geno certainly can as well. Uh, but Hertz is just so much more of a scrambler than those dudes. And that's always the rub. That's forever the issue. Is just still, even now, trying to calibrate to how much does quarterback running matter? How much? Because like I wrote the piece in the middle of the season, a, a scramble was worth more than twice as much as an attempted pass by EPA per play over the course of the, of the season this year, right? League-wide, right? It was just twice as valuable to tuck and run than throw it, which is a little bit of selection bias because who's tucking and running it? The fast quarterbacks, but still, scrambling was just so far and away more valuable over the course of several seasons than attempting a pass. On uh, Pressure, not pressure, early laying down, doesn't matter. So when I watch Hertz and then I watch Dak, I go, okay, well, like, what Dak does is... is better quarterbacking 
But that idea of better quarterbacking is a traditional pocket passing, read the field, accuracy, go through your progressions construct. And that construct does not jive with the data that we've seen that scrambling is is so, so greatly valuable, so much more so than just being able to like, oh, get to your check down on second and seven when, you know, the first read's closed. It's just better to have a scrambler. And so like, that's where, where my opinion requires updating, right? Like not like, like the Hertz Lamar thing is, is separate because I was thinking both run. But when I look at a Dak and when I look like a Trevor Lawrence and I'm like, wow, what these guys are doing for the pocket, what they're doing, throwing the football, it's so much more challenging than what Hertz has to do. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's more reads, they're throwing more tight windows and all oh, this is so, so, so impressive yeah but like proof of the puddings in the eaton and the eaton is that jalen hurts is very very good and so that's that's where you know it's it's up, us updating our paradigms specifically me updating my paradigm on on what just how valuable hurts's legs are because it, it makes the whole offense work man it really really does yeah, I think it relates to the Geno conversation. Like, if you look at uh, Geno's best 10 throws against Hertz's best 10 throws this year, Geno's would be more impressive. I mean, he's made some yeah. really high degree of difficulty, high level throws, like the old school quarterbacking, hang in the pocket, make the read, get through your progressions, and make the throw in a tight window. You know, these are the things the quarterback gurus were talking about, uh, you know, since I started watching football. But the game has changed. And like the run, I mean, Hertz is guaranteeing you uh, a very good run run game pretty much like I know their offensive line is great I think if you had an average offensive line and an average back and you still had hurts your run game is going to be above average and probably in the top five that's the same thing with Lamar like we've seen the quarterback being a part of the run game makes a huge difference with all the other pieces so I think whatever he lacks in, in those kind of old school characteristics and by the way he again he's made a big improvement in those right now to where it's like I don't want to put a ceiling on what he uh what he can be in that aspect too so uh that's where i land with hertz that's where ben lands with hertz but i don't need to see anything else with the contract i mean listen in a month from now maybe we're having a different conversation i'm going oh my gosh remember when i said that uh in week 15 but man they just laid an egg and oh my gosh the blueprint was laid in the this divisional round upset whatever it could change but that's how i feel uh right now with jalen hurts all right good hurts discussion for matt 21 man asks Hey guys, love the show. The back and forth y'all have on occasion is great to listen to. I live in Dallas, so of course I'm around the Cowboys fan, Cowboys fans all the time. I've been hearing a lot lately that C.D. Lamb is better than A.J. Brown. What do you guys think? Is C.D. Lamb even better than Devontae Smith? What do you think? C.D. Lamb is not better than A.J. Brown. That's not close. C.D.'s probably better than Devontae. But probably, that's close. but not definitely. Yeah. Maybe. No. AJ is, is better than CD, not a question. <laughs> CD and, and Devontae are honestly pretty similar players. I think CD probably gives you a little bit more in terms of uh, yak and in terms of like he has to make, I was going to say he has to make like tougher catches over the middle of the field, which is true, but Devontae also makes a lot of tough catches, just not in that same area. They just kind of use him differently. But I think CD gives you a little bit more after the catch, a little bit more elusiveness, a little more tackle breaking, a little bit better size. He's got a little bit better to absorb contact. But they're close, and they're similar players. Uh, AJ, not a, not a question. AJ is a ridiculously good football player who I will love forever. Last two years, AJ Brown averaging 73 receiving yards per game. Lamb is at 71. Smith is at 56. If we look at just this year, Brown is at 79. Lamb is at 74. Smith is at 60. Uh, yards per route run, AJ Brown is 10th. 
Lamb is 16th. Smith is 39th. I think Brown has shown more of like a versatility in the Eagles offense than maybe we thought previously. You know, it was like, all right, uh, this is yak, yak, yak with A.J. Brown. Work the middle of the field. Uh, he's making contested. He's making catches downfield. He's making contested catches. Uh, has really looked like a complete player. So, yeah, I would take Brown over Lamb. Honestly, Lamb versus Smith is close to me. Um, like, I can easily make the argument that if Devontae Smith is in that Cowboys offense as the number one option with no Goddard, with no A.J. Brown, that he's putting up numbers similar to C.D. Lamb. So then it becomes kind of what you want. Like you said, I mean, I think uh, Smith, route running, instincts, uh, those are obviously his greatest traits. Lamb with the ball in his hands is probably better. I'll be a little bit of a homer here and say, you know, uh, listen, Matt, 21, man, if you want to argue with your Cowboys fans, don't concede it. I would say go ahead and say, yeah, if Smith were in this offense, he'd be better. Uh, and, and I always just feel like Smith deserves more credit than he gets for being a great player because of the situation he's been in for his first two years. All right. Question number five. We're getting it. Listen, I, I've held off on all the uh, draft questions until now, but I made the we promise that if you... If, if you leave a if you leave a question on a review, then I have to get to it, so I can no longer put them off. And Ben, plug your uh, what do we got coming? The the N Ringers NFL Draft Show, right? Yeah, starting off Ringer NFL Draft Show. I'm literally re recording the first episode after <laughs> I get off this call, uh, which will be on the Ringer Fantasy Football feeds. So if anybody listened previously, they know oh, that I'm on that okay. show with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Craig Horlbeck. Uh, it's that that's the Ringer Fantasy Football feed. So you search Ringer Fantasy Football, you subscribe there. You can if you on Twitter, I'll be tweeting out the link this week. But you'll be able to find it, no problem. It's wherever there's Ringer podcasts you're listening to this one, you'll be able to listen to that as well. First episode on quarterbacks coming out on uh, Thursday. There you go. Not not maybe not as interesting to Eagles fans as you might have thought before the uh, season. Ah, still started. got a top five pick. Gotta <laughs> learn the names, baby. That that learn the names and, and identify some trade partners potentially. All right. So this question was from Infinity Warrior. It says, I know it's early, but who is your ideal draft pick for the Eagles at the fifth slash sixth pick? And at the 31st pick, Dolphins forfeited their first rounder. So only 31 picks in the first year. And then I have another question from a uh, about a specific prospect. But is that where the Eagles would pick now? Where would they pick? It's not, it would be fifth. Yes, the Saints yeah. have the fifth pick. So they would have the fifth pick right now. Is there a guy, do you have a guy picked out as, ooh, this, this is my guy for the Eagles at fifth? And then any name that, you know, listeners can just think about at 31 because he's assuming that the Eagles win the Super Bowl. There's <laughs> no way of knowing who the best pick is because there's no way of knowing what the Eagles need because right now the Eagles don't need like anything, right? So they start there with just saying like, who are the Eagles going to be going after it, it? Like, you know, Javon Hargrave is a free agent. James Bradbury is a free agent. Like they got a lot that they might have to deal with in terms of players departing that they'll then figure out, uh, top five, uh, the, so like, like Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia is unbelievable. I don't expect him to be there. If he is, you take him in a heartbeat. Will Anderson, the edge out of Alabama is incredible. If he's there, you take him in a heartbeat. I don't expect him to be take those two guys off the board. And then you have some of the quarterbacks, Bryce Young out of Alabama, CJ Stroud, Ohio State, Will Levis out of Kentucky. Some of these guys are going to be gone. So you're dealing with what's left. Todd McShay gave the Eagles a running back, B. John Robinson out of Texas at five overall in his most recent mock. At five? Howie Roseman will die before he drafts <laughs> a running back top five. Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman will cease to exist. You will vanish from oh this planet into the ether before he takes. Oh, wait, a hold back on. Let, let me make some kind of crazy statement. All right. If the Eagles, all right, if the Eagles draft a running back with the fifth overall pick, 
I will do daily podcasts from the last day of the draft until their opening game in week one on the Philly special feed. All right. Yeah, and each that? podcast that's how will strongly be about I feel about it. Yeah, and that's um, that, that's the span where I would, you know, my family, I would be typically taking vacation, getting a breather, so it would not be good for my family. It would not be good for married life. That's how strongly I feel about that wouldn't happen. But sorry, go ahead. You're fine. Uh, I agree. I'll, I'll be on those pods <laughs> with you. Be stunned. Bijan's a really good player, um, but I don't think he's going to go top five. Even if the Eagles are making the pick, I don't think the Eagles are making the pick. Uh, I look at corner. Corner is very strong this year. Keely Ringo out of Georgia. Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. All players with extremely good size. They're all really big corners. Physical. They'll, they'll come up and tackle. They'll compete. Uh, that's something that's important for this game in defense, right? We've seen the cornerbacks get put in positions to tackle against the run because they don't move their corners uh, to formations, right? They kind of keep one on one side, the other on the other side. Teams like the Colts got those guys stuck in the fit. The Cardinals got those guys stuck in the fit. James Bradbury and Darius Slay, a little bit older, made a lot of money, don't need to be tackling as much. You get a young physical guy like one of the three I named, you're going to be uh, much better in that regard. And then all of them have press coverage ability. All of them are good man cover corners. It depends on who you like best being able to do some of your zone stuff. I can't say that I've watched all three of the guys closely. Keely Ringo, the Georgia kid, looks absolutely incredible. The other corner worth mentioning is Christian Gonzalez, who's the corner out of Oregon. He's not as big and as physical. He's still got good size, uh, but he's an unbelievable athlete. And if you're looking exclusively for a guy who's like a zone cover player, he's probably the best of the group of the four. So the corners are good. It's a very strong corner class. It's also a very strong edge class for bigger bodies, uh, which would be interesting for the Eagles in terms of like, the Milton Williams-y sort of role of everything, right? Where Milton was like, okay, maybe he's going to be a four-eye. Like, maybe they're going to play some tight front. He's going to be like a defensive end. doesn't really rush the passer. They don't really do too much of that, right? They get more creative with, like, putting Josh Sweat in there, and then they have Hassan Reddick as, like, a outside linebacker drop player and what what have you. But, like, your Tyree Wilson's out of Texas Tech. Uh, what's the name of the... the uh, the uh, Notre Dame kid, Isaiah Foskey. Like they, these are bigger rush ends that they, they can still get after the passer, but they can be physical. They can defend the run. Those are going to be the sort of players that they're looking at at five. The Clemson kids, I actually should mention, Miles Murphy and Brian Brees. I haven't watched either player. Can't tell you uh, what I think about either one of those guys, but people talk about them as top 10 picks and they're high caliber recruits and what have you. So those would be other names to watch on the defensive line. I just can't attest to how they play. There you go. Draft talk. For twelve and one team, listen, we had, we had to get to a lot of questions uh, about the draft. We will get Getting to that time of the year. Those. Actually, Moses Jones uh, wanted a little more on the draft. He said, "Love the pod. Really need more off-topic discussion, like the ankle exposure. Uh, I'm for it if done properly. And honestly, it doesn't matter what you think your ankles look like. They're ankles. It is what it is." Let him breathe. All right. Thank you, uh, Moses. Uh, question, he says, probably for Ben, which is true. Listen, when, when we get to free agency, I can give you all kinds of thoughts when they make trades and value. Uh, that's what I will be focusing on once the Eagle season ends. I get to the draft much later, so I will be leaning on Benny Souls. But uh, you mentioned the one player, Joey Porter Jr., the corner out of Penn State. He says, feels like he's getting a lot of hype for a guy that seems to be a penalty waiting to happen, isn't great in coverage unless he's holding, and isn't a great tackler. I can't remember. Is he someone you said you haven't watched? watched yet no i've watched porter uh okay. i think porter's a good tackler i think saying joey porter's a bad tackler is is, is uh is is too strong joey porter jr now so this is uh ex pittsburgh steelers defense uh, uh outside linebacker rush linebacker joey porter porter's a son of a gun he's physical and he's super long he can touch his kneecaps without bending over he's an unbelievable ability playing mm, cornerback that must be right nice now. yeah uh that sort of 
profile is always going to be grabby and is always going to, I think, warrant some penalties. You don't really hear anybody complaining about it with J.C. Horn in Carolina when he has multiple picks against Geno Smith, or he only had the one and the other one was out of bounds, whatever. But like that grabby man corners come into the league. And yeah, you have to watch out for it. Uh, but if you have the ability to erase a guy at the line of scrimmage, I'll take an illegal contact penalty every now and then. You know, defensive pass interference gets called for the dumbest reasons in the NFL. I'm not going to not draft a guy because he might get some DPIs called against him. When we got, like, DPIs called on, like, uncatchable footballs five yards away, like, you know, it, it, it's it's not worth a squeeze. Uh, Poor is a really good prospect. You you don't get length and size like this at corner every single year with with the man coverage skills that he has. So, yeah, he's, he's got some penalty problems. He's a good tackler. Uh, he's got some penalty problems, but... I don't know. He gave me some picks and some pass breakups too. So he'll make it worth it. Yeah. Just looking at needs uh, really quickly. I think you nailed it. I mean, Cox and Hargrave uh, are going to be free agents. Obviously you brought in Linval Joseph. That's just for this year. So defensive tackle is absolutely going to be a need. Quarters, absolutely going to be a need. Safety could be a need. And then the sleeperish one would be, is there a tackle that you really like? Uh, who could potentially play guard until Lane Johnson retires? Because I don't think they're going to go into that with no plan. Lane Johnson said earlier this year he'd like to play a couple more years. We don't know uh, exactly what that means, but if there's someone who you feel like uh, is a very good prospect who can play multiple positions, we know that they will invest there. I mean, they've been yep. trying to draft Jason Kelsey's replacement for like 10 decades. They've, I mean, for a decade, they've used like seven picks on it. Uh, so I don't think they need to worry about that. But uh, say Amalu is a free agent, and then with John. Johnson's kind of um, future unknown. And then, you know, if there's somebody who can back up uh, Jordan Mailata, because Andre Dillard is going to be a free agent as well. So one way or another, you got to do some retooling there for depth. Pete Skaronsky, Northwestern kid. If they like a tackle okay. early, I bet that's the guy they like. Okay, Pete Skaronsky. There you go. All right, question number six. This is another one for Benning Souls. MB in Boston asks for Ben. Since you were never a beat reporter for a team, do you ever feel that there are gaps in skills, knowledge, or connections from such an experience that would have made you a better football analyst? He didn't write. I mean, he meant you're great already, but uh, even <laughs> another uh, level up. And I have an, I, I'll get a question for me that I've been uh, getting a lot of also after that. But go ahead, Benny Souls. Absolutely, yeah, 100%. Um, I, the only time I've ever really done the beat thing was the summer of... When the Eagles won the Super Bowl, 2018? 2018. Uh, 17. Right, After 17 they season, the they won it in 2018. Okay. I always mess that up. Anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, the, uh, 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 it was there, I was there for training camps. This was the Carson Wentz is coming back from his knee injury. He's totally fine, even though he's not playing. And we refuse to let you see him or talk about him, but he's totally fine. Stop asking questions about it, season. It was, it was one of the most hostile environments I've ever been in on a daily basis. I was like, if this is beat writing, I am not constitutionally oh, that warms made my for heart. this job. Doug was furious with everybody. But it was also great because I was, I was watching Legends. Les, Jeff McClain, Zach Berman, Bo Wolf, Shield Kapadia, uh, do the job. And it was great to my benefit. I followed Shield around one day without telling him, and then I got caught, and then I had to tell him. Uh, where we uh, <laughs> we uh, we had the positional coaches available, and I wanted to see how Shield did some of his interviewing because I had never talked to like coaches before. And Shield read some, wrote so many pieces with good quotes. So I wanted to see how he did his interviewing, so I kind of was just like following him around, listening to what he was doing. And then it ended up just being me, Shield, and safeties coach Tim Houck at the table. And then Shield was done asking questions. He wanted to be polite to this like young college kid who was there, so he like turned me and was like now you go ahead and like tim how turned me and was like now you go ahead and i had nothing i was like i i'm just shadowing shield today and tim how was like yeah okay and then she was like all right 
And then afterwards, I was like, Sheila, I'm very sorry. I've been following you around for 30 minutes. And she was like, yeah, I don't care. Uh, so I did a lot of learning during that, that process, but I've never really done the beat thing. And I don't think I would do it well. Um, I like... I think you would do it well. I think I could learn how. Um, but I'm, I, I came up blogging. I came up sitting in my chair, watching all the NFL games on Sunday, trying to attach myself. What's the most interesting thing that's happening here? What's the one thing that people are going to want to care about? And then learn about it, be able to explain it, be able to break it down. Uh, beat writing is the opposite of that. It's this is my world. This, this is the most interesting thing all the time is the Philadelphia Eagles football. And then I got to get elbow deep. I got to get waist deep. I got to get shoulder deep. Got to get all the way in on this and figure out like what are the funny stories about special teams players and what's the the one unique thing that this coach is doing, you know, the one little stuff that, that the locker room's changed that that matters, right? And that that level of 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 microscopic view, that granularity is something that I've I've never been forced to do in my career. Uh, and so there are there's a work ethic to the guys who've been on the beat, Shield certainly included, but a lot of really good beat writers that I don't have. Uh, it's not a bad thing. It's, you know, different perspectives help us talk about the game in different ways, and it, it makes coverage really cool. It makes this pod really cool. Um, but I, I always admire that. The, the, the level of detail that beats go into is something that I will, I will envy and forever aspire to, but I, I, unless forced to get it, I probably will, not, uh, will never get it. So, yeah, there's gaps, but I like what I do. It's a good time. I You're fun, doing okay. I don't got to put on pants, so we're chilling. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're doing just fine. I think, well, it all depends on the outlet you write for. I mean, like if you wrote for, you know, like The Athletic, then you could, j- like, you know, you don't have, you're not writing about every injury and every little thing. You know, you could be like, oh, I'm going to do a deep dive on like one of the run schemes we just talked about. You know what I mean? So you can uh, do, do stuff like that where you're interviewing players. It so much depends on how willing the players and coaches are to share some of that stuff. Uh, with you you know like someone like jason kelsey is very willing and then other people are like no we're not we don't really feel like uh talking about that uh right now so it uh it certainly all depends there yeah i read you know when i do my like picks column every week i mean i'm just reading every beat writer in the nfl to make sure i'm not missing anything because they know those teams inside and out and can give you nuggets even when they're not spelling stuff out you get a sense oh this writer has covered the team for 14 years and they're saying watch out for this or that team might not be happy with player x and you're like okay they know that they're not just guessing uh they know that and so uh it's invaluable it's how everybody uh is able to follow the league more closely and be better Uh, a question i've gotten multiple times since our initial pod is uh you know someone said aside from your jeans take the most controversial take is me saying i'm not an eagles fan on a philly special pod what's up with that and so i explained it before but it's you know we've gotten more listeners so i'll explain it again uh listen i grew up an eagles fan i went to veteran stadium i went to the link i wore the gear Uh, i absolutely was a big eagles fan growing up and then I started covering the team every day. And I, I think you would talk to most beat writers is like you're not a fan of the team when you're covering the team. That's not some like hoity-toity journalism thing. That's just kind of how it is. You stop being a fan. Uh, I My mood is not affected by whether the Eagles win or lose. And I would guess like 99% of our audience right now would say that, you know, 
for you, uh, your mood is affected. And so that is kind of what can really tell you. I mean, I moved away for two years, covered another team. When I was watching the Phillies in the playoffs uh, this year, I was like, oh, my mood, you know, I do feel the ups and downs and the knots in my stomach and the tension. And so um, that's how I feel about other teams. But uh, for the Eagles, like, honestly, I'm just thinking like, all right, you know, what? how can my work be good off of what's happening in the game? What are we going to do for the pod? What's my take on this? What's my analysis? Like, that's what I am thinking about as these games unfold about whether I can perform my job well or not perform my job well. So I'm not saying that's right or wrong or comparing it to anybody else. I mean, at the, at the ringer, especially, and uh, when you're in a national role, I, you know, I'm glad that it's no longer like you have to hide something if you're a fan uh, of something, right. but that's just me kind of, you know, speaking honestly about uh, what it is. So don't get offended by it. It's okay. I, I still can connect with the fans. Come on. I got people around me, neighbors, dad, friends. I'm on the text threads and everything. Uh, I just don't personally care if the Eagles win or lose. And so I know people will have a hard time uh, believing that, but that is Bad just take. me being honest. Yeah, it's okay. All right. Number seven, Brandon. Why don't teams run a QB sneak on more downs, it feels like whenever there isn't a player over the nose, Hertz could get under center and they could push ahead for a positive EPA play and get an easy second and six or whatever. Outside the box. Oh. Question. Daniel, from uh, uh, the Joe Judge. The surprise QB <laughs> sneak at third and nine. So I'd say this. A four-yard gain on first and ten is not positive EPA, right? Uh, like it, It's close. You know, Success rate is generally defined as 40% of the yards on first down, but I've also seen 50% of the yards on first down. So if you do a surprise QB sneak on first and 10, you get four yards. That's negative EPA by success as defined by success rate. So it's not that easy, right? Should more teams sneak? Yes. Should more teams sneak in short yardage? Yes. Is it, does it make sense to like sneak on a th- critical third and four to get to a fourth and one to sneak it again? Arguably, like I don't mind that. Uh, but overall, I don't think the first and 10 sneak is coming anytime soon. We got explosive pass plays now. We don't got to live in that, in that sneak yeah. world. I think the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I mean, I hear what he's saying, especially with Hertz. If no one's like, if there's a big gap there in between the two tackles and you've got Kelsey and can just follow him, uh, I get it, but it's not going to turn. It has zero chance of turning into an explosive play. Uh, and at this, it's, it, you know, you're going to get some yards, but it's also the wear and tear on the quarterback, a guy just, you know, uh, putting his head down and running. He, I don't know what the stats are. I don't, and I don't think it's as dangerous as we think it is, but still you don't want your quarterback generally doing that when you have other options, like the run game we saw from the Eagles on Sunday. So, uh, I hear what he, I hear what Brandon's saying. I like the outside the box idea, but I just don't think it would be worth it because the upside isn't great. And there is uh, some downside there, especially when you compare it to the other options that you have. All right. The cocaine bear. What a what a screen name! The cocaine. Are you bear. familiar with the cocaine bear? <laughs> no. What is the cocaine bear? Uh, there's a movie coming out. Uh, here's the oh. premise of the movie. What if a bear had a lot of cocaine? And the movie is called The Cocaine Bear. I have no you idea should, if you're messing with me or not. You should go watch the. Tra- there's a legitimate trailer with actual. There actors is a movie a coming movie. out called The Cocaine, cocaine bear. bear. Oh. Sure, you guys. Yeah, you guys. And that is the premise. Right, if the bear had a lot of cocaine. Yeah, I think it's loosely based on a true story. <laughs> is is this like your Eminem stand, like your still what stand stands for thing? Okay. We're just throwing it out there confidently. 
Cocaine Bears, an upcoming American black comedy thriller film directed and co-produced by Elizabeth Banks with the screenplay of Jimmy Warden. It's inspired by the true story of the eponymous character, an American black bear who ingested a duffel bag of cocaine in 1985. It includes an ensemble <laughs> cast of Carrie Russell, the American. Oh, uh, yeah, the Americans, Carrie Russell. And the Americans, yeah. O'Shea Jackson Jr., Christian Convery Jennings, Alden... Aaron Reich. Why can't any of these people have regular names? Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Brooklyn Prince. Jesse Tyler Ferguson is from Modern Family. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Christopher. Have you, okay, there's a lot of names. Ray Liotta. Okay. Wow. Anyway, I'm in. Yeah. Cocaine Bear. Did you watch The Americans? Did you watch yeah, The Americans? Yeah, I I, I, I've seen a few seasons. I didn't, I didn't finish it, but I enjoyed it. Oh, you got to finish it. Fant- fantastic show. The Amer- Carrie Russell. Outstanding. In the right. Americans. Yeah. Huh? All right. I'm in on the cocaine bear. All right. The cocaine. I mean, but to make your screen name, the co- I mean, this this person must be really excited about Or maybe I'm it excited. is Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, thank you for listening. Yes, uh, Carrie Russell. Ringers. Eagles really fan special. celebrity. All right. All right. Carrie Russell asks, great show. Question. Favorite local Philly delicacy, cheesesteak, roast pork sandwich, and purveyor of said delicacy. Now, we got to call in a... Uh, Cliff for the bet. First of all, do you have an answer for this? I mean, you've obviously spent time in Philadelphia. You don't live in Philadelphia. Was there something the you is had? When I lived in Philly. I was I was a college kid on an internship, so I had about two dollars. Yeah, and so yeah. best cheesesteak I ever had was from Woodrow's, which was a Bleeding Green Nation recommendation. That was very good. And okay. then like classic Philly delicacy is I like uh, Denix roast pork sandwich. Roast pork is is better than cheesesteak, very sadly. Uh, okay, but regardless, Denix Denix was the bomb. Uh, so that's my best answer, but I haven't given Philly the full tour because I don't have money to okay. spend like that. All right. And I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not going to give you cheesesteak <laughs> recommendations. I will give a shout out to Pastaficios in South Philly, close to the stadiums, close to the Novacare complex. Uh, if you want a hoagie, that's an outstanding spot. And then when I was living in the city for five years, uh, I loved the Shanks on Columbus Boulevard right there on the water, little shack there. You want a breakfast sandwich, you want an eggplant parm, the bread the bread of Philadelphia is outstanding. I couldn't get that bread uh, in Seattle. I missed that bread. Now you can get it anywhere in Philadelphia. But of course, we're calling in Cliff. We gave Cliff some homework this week to answer this question and really the next one too. Cliff, what do you got, my friend? First of all, this is the easiest answer. But I'm going to say this is somebody you know who grew up you know around the city, in and out the city, lived in different places across the city. The real ones know the corner stores in the city like what they call up here, the bodegas or whatever, those are really where you get the cheesesteaks at. If you're really from Philly, that's where you need to go. Mm. But if we're going to mainstream this and recommend people to areas where they probably won't get physically harmed, I'll tell them this. <laughs> My top five is De La Sandro's. I think De La Sandro's might be the best is this one. Is five to one or one to five? Oh, all right, all right. So I'll put it this way. I think De La Sandro's is the best one in the city. I don't think okay. it's by much though. So I'll just put that at number one. And then okay. two, what, two through five can be jumbled up and you can pick it how you want it because they're all kind of on the same level. So number one okay. to me is Dale Sanders. I think that's the best one in the city. The bread, the meat, like the cheese, the fried onions, like everything just goes so well together. But I will say this, the wait is like an hour long. They got to fix that line. They got to do something. They got to get the yeah. get the, get the the market going <laughs> on that to get another spot, something. <laughs> Because uh, that line you, it sounds like. Yeah, you're a problem solver. <laughs> uh, I, listen, I got, listen. Hey, Dale Sanchez, if somebody over there is listening, give me a call. Uh, second, I'll go Max's. I like Max's on Germantown and Erie. If you ever seen Creed, 
That's where they shot the one scene where Tessa Thompson butchered the word John. Uh, Max's is a really good spot, uh, but it has to be the one on Germantown Ave in Ariad. Another spot that I really love is Tony Luke's. Tony Luke's is an old establishment in Philly. Doesn't get enough love to me because it's all around the stadiums and commercialized a little bit more. But I think Tony Luke's is highly underrated compared to the love that other spots in the city gets. I think Jim's on uh, South Street is really, really good. I'll put that in there in the top five as well. Um, amazing cheesesteak. Uh, you know, I heard they had some issues where their spot burned down recently or something like that. So I hope they get back, get it back together. But Jim's is really, really, really good. And this is like a newer, more city favorite. Angelo's, I believe it's in Bella Vista, somewhere in like 9th Street, somewhere like in that area in South Philly. Angelo's has a really, really, really good cheesesteak. And my crew up in the rankings if they keep it up in the next couple of years. So that's the top five. I think Dillis Hodges is number one. You figure out the rest, the, the other order of the five. But real ones know, go to go to the corner stores in Philly. That's where you really get a cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup, fried onions, and a little bit of mayo. Did you say ketchup? Yeah, salt, pepper, ketchup, fried onions, a little bit of mayo. All right. <laughs> ben, ben is a take one. I need to hear the rebuttal on that, Ben. No, I, I would not put ketchup on a steak sandwich. That, oh, that my. seems like a solid no-go to me. See, this is not the Patrick Mahomes type of steak sandwich. Like, this is the finely chopped, chopped. With the, That's with what the I'm saying. Bread. If it's quality steak, then we put a ketchup on it. No, 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 no. You're not sitting there ordering a, you know, a porterhouse, you know, going medium rare. This is chopped up, chopped up beef. So you got, you Cliff, can put the- Cliff absolutely would know better than me, but to me, that seems weird. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, trust me. The- you know what, Ben? Next time you pull up to Philly, just hit me yeah, up. Exactly, we'll, yeah, exactly. We'll go somewhere, all right? That's the most prepared any any uh, Ringer Philly special host has been for a segment uh, <laughs> all year long. Cliff right there. Brand- uh, Jim, now, I know this will apply to like three of you out there, but uh, Jim's also has uh, you know a bunch of vegetarian uh, options. So if you want to go with your meat-eating friends, I used to live walking distance uh, to Jim's. When people would come in, it was just easy to get there. So that's where we would uh, take them. So thank you, Jim's, to being uh, vegetarian friendly. All right, question number nine. We're going to need Cliff's help on this one, too. Davis asks, who would you each put in your Mount Rushmore of celeb Eagles fans? You can do two off the bench if need be. We don't need to get to six. But uh, all right, Ben, I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't you know, just surpass you, Ben. Did you want in on this question or did you want to just uh, throw it to Cliff? I can't name four celebrities, let alone celebrities Philadelphia. <laughs> I, know that, I know that Bradley Cooper goes Jerry to the games. Russell. <laughs> I know Mike Trout's got a box or he got seats. I know Brian Curtis wrote about the fact that like a bunch of news correspondents in DC like the Eagles. I'm not going to pretend Jake I knew any Tapper. of their names. Yeah. 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 All right. I have uh, some specific strong takes on this. Just I, I think just one or two. But So Cliff, I want to hear yours and see uh, if I agree with you. So go uh, ahead. I think first and foremost, even though Mike Trout out of all four of these guys isn't the biggest name just because he plays baseball and, you know, not many people – you know, might know might know who Mike Trout is correct. on the national level. I agree. He plays not only that, he plays for, you know, the eighth team in LA. So no one cares about the Angels yeah. either. But Mike Trout, South Jersey native, by far the biggest Eagles fan out of any quote unquote celebrity, has those not, not even box seats. They're like it's like a literal couch, like right off the right off the field. You can see everything. It's like literally he's watching TV, but he's literally at the stadium. So you can't tell me Mike yeah. Trout is the biggest uh Eagles fan uh by far. Brad Cooper goes to games pretty often, sits in the owner's box. Uh, probably the biggest celebrity on this list. 
um had a what was that movie called chill i forget the name of the movie um i can't believe i'm blanking on it right now limitless oh uh, no, no 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 the eagles one uh, yeah, silver the linings playbook. Silver Linings yeah. Playbook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah silver Linings. gosh playbook. we're not it's not yeah. good silver linings playbook. limitless put on for the city i mean it, it's got to be brad cooper right up there number two number three is kevin hart whatever public appearance he doesn't go to the eagles games too often but whatever public appearance he does like a lot of especially a lot of sports shows I'll see him wear old school Eagles gear. Shout out the Eagles. Make some jokes about how, you know, we going to the playoffs. We went to the Super Bowl. Pretty sure he got kicked out of like the Super Bowl celebration party or like the security <laughs> tried to block him off from going into uh celebrating right. Eagles team. So you got to show love. And plus he sold out the link like four or five different times. So yes. you got to show love to Kev. Real Philadelphian. Went to George Washington High from North Philly area. So shout out to Kev Hart. And Mouse Teller. Always been a you know a die yeah, hard. Yeah, I know him. Oh yeah, the dude. Um, he's been in plenty, plenty of films. Obviously, most recent, the uh, fantastic film. Um, but Miles Teller, you know, die hard Phillies. He was, I think, he was at every yard Phillies rotation. Yeah, Philly. Uh, I know he goes to Eagles and it's fairly frequently because he posts about it all the damn time. Huge Citrus fan. Definitely seen him sitting courtside. I'm not sure about the Flyers ringside, but uh, I don't think many celebrities are going to those games anyway. So Miles Teller rounds out my top four. Um, we got to show love to the late great Kobe Bryant as well, Philly native. Yeah, I've seen Rock and McNabb jerseys all the time. Um, he did the Eagles pep talk, I believe, before the Super Bowl, uh, yeah, going into that. that game, and that you know that might have gave him a little bit of motivation to win that game. So shout out, to, shout out to Kobe Bryant on that one. Um, and Will Smith, definitely got to show love to Will Smith because when the Fresh Prince was on and mm. the Eagles were in that Kelly Green with the Randall, he had the Eagles old school yeah. Eagles hat. Uh, with the Randall jersey on, on Fresh Prince, on a national stage. So uh, shout out to Will Smith, too. So I think those are my two reserves, you know, off the bench. I was wondering if we were going to be allowed to have Will Smith uh, uh, on or not after the slap uh, <laughs> last year, because I had him on this list. I'm like, is Cliff going to go there or uh, or not? Why, so, why, I, I why, does, that, does that stop his Eagles fandom? I think slapping a person in public no, probably... I, <laughs> it enhances the Eagles fandom. That explains, that explains, <laughs> it feels that, decisively that explains, Philadelphian. Yeah, that explains what an Eagles fan is right there. Him slapping yeah, the hell out of somebody yeah. on a national stage. Uh, I like that one. Uh, my, I, I wanted to make sure Mike Trout's on there because Mike Trout is like, is psychotic about this i mean yeah. like he i think he would go to every preseason game i mean he doesn't I mean, like he he is all in with the actual team and so uh, i thought he absolutely had to be there i thought your other ones were certainly good i'm good with putting uh kobe on there yeah kobe talked to the team uh also they were in um los angeles or in anaheim uh that week in between two games during that super bowl season and he came and talked to the team and there were like a lot of guys who were like oh yeah that actually like uh meant something and uh, he seemed to be an actual fan as well so will smith bradley cooper i once walked past at metlife stadium mm -hmm. when he was there uh, as Lurie's guest when i was covering the team so that's a good one uh tina fey Carly Lloyd were a couple others that uh, came up here. Meek Mill, uh, Pink, you know, th those could be others that you Carly might want to mix like in there. Huge, huge, huge. Yes. Huge, yeah, she's huge, a good one. She might belong like, on there. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know what? I, yeah, I got to bump her up a little bit too. Carly Lloyd is like really, really, really obsessed with Philly sports. Yeah. Del Rey, New Jersey native. Shout out to Carly Lloyd. Um, yeah. That's right. She's obsessed with Philly sports. So Carly Lloyd is definitely, and I'm sure she's done, she's done like modeling like some of those, uh, some of the alternate, you know, Eagles gear and some of the Sixers gear for yeah. the team too. So shout out to Carly Lloyd. That's a huge fan right there. So yeah, definitely right about that one.
The funniest thing as I was uh, researching this just to make sure we don't miss anyone obvious, I can't believe we're having a second Modern Family reference uh, during the Ringers Philly special Eagles Bears preview pod. This was off the board, according to FanDuel, but uh, there's this photo gallery on the Eagles website from I don't know what year it's from, but it kind of answered. It's like, all right, here are celeb Eagles fans. And it goes, modern family actress Sofia Vergara attended the Eagles matchup against the Giants in 2012. She is pictured here with Eagles insider Dave Spadaro and long snapper John Dornboss. I mean, I had never heard that Sofia Vergara was an Eagles fan, but if she is, we apologize to Sofia. If you're listening, uh, we apologize that maybe we missed you. Now, I will say that no. same gallery had, had, yeah. That's not fair, bro. We got to, you know, what we got to really show love to is, uh, is Keena Brunson, the uh, creator of Abbott Elementary. Oh, I actually yeah. Seen, Great show. Actually Best show at, on TV. She was actually at Eagles games, shows crazy love to Philly whenever, you know, she's on the national platform. So if we really want to talk about, you know, the women that support the Eagles, we got to show her some actual yeah. love too. So shout out, shout out to Kenta right. Brunson. Temple, not a Kinta Temple Br- mom, but went to Temple. All right, Kinta Brunson, Bradley Cooper, Mike Trout, I like as the as the definite three. Mm. And then audience, if you want to decide between uh, the rest of them, yeah, Kevin Hart, uh, Will Smith, Tina Fey, Carly Lloyd, whoever else, then you can rotate between uh, the other ones or tell us who should be number four. But I like those three as the uh, top three. Now, that same photo gallery also had like Bill Cosby in there. So listen, that photo gallery needs some updating. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think we should exactly be going by that on the Eagles uh, website. Phil, do you right. know the most, Good the job, most, Cliff. Do you have the best uh, Eagles photo, whoever rocked the Eagles gear the best? Princess Die. It gotta be. It has to yeah. be. Ran the old, uh, <laughs> no the idea old. what that reference is. <laughs> oh, the Kelly Green jacket. Oh, you gotta look I see the photo. Beautiful jacket. All right. God, I was about to say, it's been, this is a little bit before your time, but uh, the Kelly Most Green. Most things <laughs> are, brother. Most <laughs> things are. <laughs> the Kelly Green. All right. Is a must. Very good. Thank you. We're going to have to get Cliff involved every week. That was fantastic. He's going to put that kind of prep work in. We got to get to it. All right, uh, Ben, I got some quick ones. Uh, we'll, we'll run through these quickly, but I saw the reviews this morning after I already sent you the 10, so I wanted to get to them. Sam asks, what to expect from first NFL game at Soldier Field? Says, driving from ND, which I assume is Notre Dame, um, and he, he knows you mentioned that you were at that uh, double doink game, as was I. Do you have any words of wisdom to Sam? Uh Soldier Field traffic flow, not great. I'd arrive earlier than you think. I'd be prepared to be leaving for a long time. With that said, Soldier Field's a beautiful stadium. I know they're, they're thinking yes. about moving. It's, it's, it's a gorgeous stadium. Um, but yeah, I would say the number one thing I would warn you about for attending the game at Soldier Field is logistically bring your, bring your patient pants. Bring, bring your, uh, your, your, your love for fellow humans while in a vehicle because it's a tough one to get in and out of. <laughs> I love I love Soldier Field. I loved when the team I was covering played in Chicago. You get a nice downtown hotel. You walk to the stadium. Uh, it's going to be freezing. I remember one time the Eagles team bus passed me. Brandon Brooks said afterwards, "Hey, we saw you uh, walking to the stadium there." Yeah, I don't have a team bus, uh, Brandon Brooks. So uh, great place to watch a game. Fans are into it. Uh, love Soldier Field. All right, B Bell asks, "You can clone one non QB from any team." You know what? This is too good of a question. B-Bell, I'm saving this for next week. We're not answering this, Ben. Uh, this a requires one. a conversation. Let's save that one for next week. I love that one. Uh, 
Harry asks, when I look back on my life at the lowest and saddest times and see only one set of footprints in the sand, it was then that this podcast carried me. <laughs> Do you think Howie would literally trade one of his fingers for a first round pick? Which finger would get the best compensation? Uh, I actually thought about this, so I'll give you my answer and then you can respond from it. It depends where in the first round. Like if we're talking about the 30th pick, I don't think he's giving up a finger. It also depends when. Is the team like in a in a bad spot where, man, they really need picks. He needs to rebuild. Then absolutely I could see it. And I think uh, the thumb would have the greatest compensation. So you only give well, up the thumb if you're give if you're getting a really high pick, I mean, I'm just thinking about the phone. You know, like the phone, your whole phone right, situation but, but has to change. The does gripping that mean a the steering person wheel to whom he's trading the thumb gets to use it. Like if I'm trading a a, a finger for the Saints first round pick, and they're like, "Well, I want a very valuable finger for my pick." It's like, what are you using the finger for? If they're just like getting a finger from Harry Roseman, who cares what finger it is? Well, does, uh, does Mickey Loomis a, get an eleventh finger? It's a good point. Yeah, I think there would be some way to kind of surgically attach that bad boy where you have a uh, sixth finger on one hand. I don't know. Okay, he so wasn't yeah, specific. If, it's, if 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 another finger is being attached to a hand, then yes, thumb, pointer finger, absolutely. If you know GM's coming to me and is like, send me a finger for a pick, I'm saying I'm sending you my left pinky, and you can take it. For which case, I would send my left pinky for the Eagles to have another first-round pick, let alone Howie Roseman. I don't need this nine-finger. Nine fingers, I'm chilling. What, I've never used this in my life. It's useless. I guess like I do like a little like, hold-the-phone-on-the-shelf thing, but that's right hand. We're chilling. Yeah. Left pinky for a first-round okay. pick. Even if I'm, it's 32, I don't care. Yeah, I would say pinky, worst compensation, thumb, uh, best compensation there. All right. uh, my guy, listen, my guy has, has been a loyal listener. He's asked about Trey Sermon every week since the Eagles acquired him. I don't think there's any need to get Trey Sermon on the field. I think they're doing fine with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell. My guy thinks he could give them some juice. Ben Solek, do you have a strong opinion on whether Trey Sermon should actually play? I don't think there's much to be gained from from playing Trey Sermon. Uh, if the Eagles still had pass protection issues, they're a bad short yardage team. Then, like, all right, maybe you check out another back. But even then, like, I don't think Sermon's really good in those roles. They have no deficiencies in their backfield over the course of the last few games. They don't really need a short yardage guy. You can't fix what ain't broke. Uh, Trey was a fun player at Ohio State. I don't think the Eagles are the team that should spend time developing him if there's something to be got at the NFL level. The Eagles are fine as they are. So if Sermon hits somewhere else, he hits somewhere else. They're number one in rushing DVOA right now yeah. to back up what Corey Clement was catching yeah. passes for the Cardinals, by the way. How about that? Football, that was, was fun like, hey, to see. Corey, here we go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Super Bowl hero, Corey Clement. Close to being Super Bowl MVP, Corey Clement. All right, let's get to the Bears. Number 10, prediction and what you're watching in this game, Benjamin Solak. I think the Eagles score a ton of points. I think there's a chance the Bears score a ton of points because Justin Fields is very dangerous. And accordingly, it's like semi-close and competitive. Or more likely, the Bears don't have enough juice outside of Justin Fields. They don't score a lot of points, and it's not semi-close and competitive. right? I think the, the, the injuries that the Bears have sustained to the secondary, the struggles they have getting after the, the, the passer, even if they're just like playing deep zone and trying to prevent the Eagles from being explosive, the Eagles are just going to run the football all over them. Uh, worth remarking, by the way, you asked me on the Monday show, you're like, what do you think the line is for the Bears-Eagles games? I was like, oh, eight and a half. And it was like 11 and a half or 12 or something like that. You know what it is now? Nine. No, no, no. It, it was the opposite. You thought oh, was it was... It? 
Yeah, you thought it was oh. like twelve, and it was and it was eight and a half. Okay, yeah. now it's I was nine. Gonna, I saw yeah. that today, and I was like, <laughs> "I'm the man." I knew. I, I predicted three points <laughs> no. of movement. Okay, I got to flip. So regardless, I think the Eagles score a ton of points. We're doing a uh, uh, same game parlay thing this week with Full Go with Jason Goff, who's the uh, Chicago podcast for the Ringer. Who are doing a little a little competition. So the way I look at this game is I have the Eagles over 14 and a half first first half points. Eagles are the top scoring first half team in the league. I think the Eagles can score a lot early. They might take their foot off the gas late. And then there's no player props right now besides touchdown scores. So I have Jalen Hurts to score because he's the most favorite Eagle to score. They use him the most in the red zone. Makes sense. I also have Dallas Goddard, who we didn't even get to mention, potentially coming back for this game. Mm. Bears are a heavy zone team. And when you get a heavy zone team, uh, you get Dallas Goddard targets. Uh, he was, he's was he got eight red zone targets in the year this year, which is tied for the second most among Eagles players, despite the fact that he's missed all that time. He and Devontae both have eight. Uh, so Hurts to score, Goddard to score, over 14 and a half first half points is what I'm currently cooking up right now, same game parlay-wise. But I think it's Eagles with a lot of points by a lot. I think it's Eagles like... 38-20, sort of a game. All right, there you go. He's got the Eagles covering. Yeah, the Bears are 3-10. and 10. Uh, They're 27th in the NFL, minus 63-point differential. They're 29th in DVOA. They have the worst defense in the NFL, according to DVOA, and that includes the games where they had Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. They've given up at least 27 points in six straight games. The Cowboys scored 49. The Dolphins scored 35. The Lions scored 31. The Jets scored 31. I mean, they've got nobody on defense. I would be shocked if the Eagles did not pile up yardage totals and point totals in this game. But fluky things happen. Maybe the weather's bad. It's going to be cold. Maybe there's some turnovers. Maybe they have some uh, self-inflicted mistakes. All those things could potentially happen. But I'm with you. I think the Eagles go up and down the field. Uh, Justin Field is a special, special runner. I mean, one of the most special runners at quarter back we've seen in the NFL. He's already got 905 yards. When he last played a couple weeks ago, he was 20 for 25 as a passer. So he's a, he's a fun player to watch, no doubt about it. It's it's night and day from the beginning of the season to where he's been for like the last six weeks. Having said that, Eagles have a huge edge up front on both sides of the ball. Fields is throwing to Chase Claypool, Cole Komet, Equinemius St. Brown, Nikhil Harry, Dante Pettis. They do not have the dudes that the Eagles have. Uh, as you mentioned, Eagles are now nine-point favorites. It would not surprise me to see Fields make some out-of-structure plays, maybe some explosive plays. Yep. I think the Bears need a big turnover advantage, a special teams play, a defensive touchdown, something to win this game. I, too, like the Eagles. I'm coming up with the score right now as I think about it. I thought I thought about it earlier, but I guess I didn't. I'm going to go Eagles 34, Bears 24. Eagles cover the nine-point spread and leave Chicago with a win. Maybe it's not even that close, but that's the final score uh, for the Eagles. Hey, I got one right last week. Eagles covered. Maybe I'm getting hot, baby. Last month of the season. (laughs) Let's see. All right. We'll be back after the game to talk about it. As usual, thank you to Benny Souls. We will talk to everyone on the Ringers Philly special Sunday night. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. 
my favorite because I walk around LA every day. I like the joggers. I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.